Welcome back to Dare to Feel. I'm your host, Alexandra Roxo, creative artist, best-selling author of Fuck Like a Goddess, transformational and spiritual mentor and coach. This series is based on my book, Dare to Feel, and each episode will deepen into topics around intimacy, relationship, spirituality, healing, and beyond. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Jen of Decolonizing Therapy about what it means to reconnect with one's historical and ancestral experiences to heal from the traumas that often go unseen and unacknowledged by Eurocentric methods of wellness. We talk about moving through deep emotions, being deep feelers, and having the courage to really heal. Hi, everybody. I am here with Dr. Jennifer Mullen, who you may know as Decolonizing Therapy, though that's not your name, obviously. That is, it's funny how people's Instagram handles and their work can kind of become a pseudonym. And I'm sure you'll have 10 more in this lifetime, if not more, um, that that kind of encapsulate your <laughs> your deeper soul work, your spiritual work here. Um, but I want to just introduce her. She is very, very illustrious. You probably already know who she is. If you if you don't, then you will after our conversation today. So uh, Dr. Jen is an international speaker, professor, healer, spiritualist, scholar, activist, and widely known as the Rage Doctor, which I love. She has been featured on the Today Show, Vox, Cosmopolitan, Allure, GQ, and the Calgary Journey Journal, amongst many others. She's also the author of the forthcoming book, Decolonizing Therapy, Oppression, Historical Trauma, and Politicizing Your Practice, and is a major disruptor in the mental health industrial complex. Trained as a clinical psychologist, Dr. Jennifer, Jennifer Mullen birthed Decolonizing Therapy in 2019, a psychological evolution that weaves together political, ancestral, therapeutic, and global well-being. Here, she creates a safe space for people and organizations to heal and guides people from all walks of life to unpack the oppression that has been unconsciously passed down, intrapsychically and socially, and which continue to live on in our bodies today. Her work is an urgent call to dive into the root of global and generational trauma to unlock the wisdom of our sacred rage. <sighs> what a beautiful career that you've landed in. What a beautiful mission. And I just also mm -hmm. want to tell people that she received the Essence Magazine's 2020 Essential Hero Award <laughs> in Mental Health. How did that feel? <laughs> I'm still like, what? I almost deleted the email because I thought it was a hoax. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And last thing, Dr. Jen leads the charge, challenging how therapists are educated and how they practice and has educated thousands of therapists, psychologists, social workers and helpers as they learn and undo colonial and Eurocentric methods of serving. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's just a real honor to have you on the podcast and on this season. I just felt like, oh my gosh, she is the perfect person as we enter into Dare to Feel because your work has so much feeling in it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So can you share a bit about how you've been helping people reconnect with their historical and ancestral experiences to heal from the trauma yeah. that often go unseen and unacknowledged by Eurocentric methods of wellness? I know that's, again, a really long sentence. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell us how you do this epic work that you do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, number one, thank you for having me. You know, I'm such a big fan, as I said before, and and I love that we're moving. Your work is moving. It's always been about feeling, I, I believe, at its okay. core. But, I, you know, even if we're not naming that, yeah. it's been there. And I think that's what I've always been drawn to. Um, but I love that we're getting into bigger feelings because as someone who's been called a rage doctor, right? You know, big feelings often get such a bad rap. Yeah. And so to answer that, that big, beautiful question... Um, I'll give you big, broad, and then like an example, yeah. you know, and we'll, like, we'll get it small, but like in a big, broad level, um, using more chewable words, I would say is like, I help people look at their like ancestral and collective shadows, right? Um, I feel like what decolonizing therapy has always been, or the work that comes and channels through me, um, that which is decolonizing therapy, um, is a request 
for both a reminding and a remembrance of what has been and what was and how it's being activated by what's happening in present day, mm. right? So it's sort of like, well, here we are. All of this is happening. Um, we are in joy. We're in pleasure. We're in states of violence and rage. We're in grief. We're big feelings, right? We're in all these big emotions and feelings. And for many of us across the globe, regardless of what kind of bodies we walk in, but particularly bodies of culture or, you know, folks that identify as people of color, um, there is also that like violent reminder and remembrance somatically, like in the body. Um, and it's coming through relationship, it's coming through our work, it's coming through, you know, through illness and all sorts of things that this is older than, than just now. So even folks that are like, oh no, the past is the past. It's not the present. You know, I'm working with people or have seen people that are like, wait a minute, I'm remembering things that have never happened to me personally, yet I'm having dreams about this or I'm having these daydreams about this or I looked down and suddenly I was wearing a Victorian dress and mm. I was doing A, B, C, and D. And so more and more, um, I believe for like the last 15 years, I have been working with individuals, whether in group, or individually, or even my students, you know, that, or, or like consulting, you know, literally yeah. all these different types of people yeah. that are like re-remembering. Mm -hmm. And as someone who's trained, right, as a clinical psychologist, and, and again, I, I give feedback on psychology because I love it so much, and because mm -hmm. it was such a large part of my own life and part of my healing, not the whole right. foot of my healing, but part of my healing and still is part of my healing. Um, I just think loving something means being able to also look at it right. from the honest lens, right? Not yes. just like a rose colored lens, but like, wait, how do I harm me, Jennifer? Right? Like, how have I harmed? How might I continue to be harming? And what am I going to do differently? And oh goodness, if I'm not the only one doing this because of the way that I've been trained, literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. literally, and because of how I've been taught and educated and how I've been taught to look at myself, my body, my life, my hair, my right, one another, yeah. right? Plus things that my ancestral lineage or my parents have been through, mm -hmm. right? So if I'm not talking about this, then what am I doing? And I guess that's just how it started feeling for me on yeah. a big level, yeah. right? Like it was a call to action yeah. um, for me yeah. as a clinician. And I love the truth and I like mm -hmm. to get to the raw bits of things. Mm -hmm. I don't like... Nothing about me as, as a human, as a spirit, as a soul is surface. No shade to anyone that enjoys it. <laughs> Who are those people? No, I know them. I love them too. We love you. We need you. We love you. We love you too. We need you to fetch right? us up from the bottom of the sea sometimes and tell us a joke. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I so relate to that. I so relate to that. And, and, and just quickly, like on a, on a more interpersonal level, yeah. now that might look like providing these workshops and trainings, um, or I would say like unworkshops or untrainings, these unlearnings to individuals that are taught that you don't make it about yourself. You have to be apolitical. You have to take this kind of stance. You, right. you know, don't have too much color in your office. Only have therapy mm -hmm. be in the office. Only have it be 45 right. minutes. Right. 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 Charge right. this right. much. I think part of my work is just this invitation into like humanizing us yeah. and taking us away from this like euthanization of personality yeah. of spirit because yeah. in its core in its infancy anything that was around emotional mental health historically whether you were from ireland whether your people were from philippines whether your people were from new zealand it had very spiritual ancestral witchy roots yeah you, you know at its yeah. core yeah and so it has been co-opted and it mm -hmm. has been institutionalized. And I'm just like, not just me, but many of us, you know, mm -hmm. but, but also many of my ancestors and my spiritual are like, hey, hey, like, right. no, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Right. That which we buried needs to come up. All the skeletons, yes. literally, figuratively, painfully are coming out of the closet. Mm -hmm. And um, retreats are one way that I have done it historically. I'm trying mm -hmm. to do my best to do the work 
to make that happen again. You know how that goes financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I want accessibility for all different types right. of people, places, and spaces. Mm-hmm. But um, I suppose some of my favorite retreats around this are getting into those big emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've held retreats for 13, 14 years at the wow. university when I worked there um, mm-hmm. with predominantly students that would probably identify as first generation college students, inner city, or like people that have never shared in their lives. You know, we'd have Wednesday meetings. We had this peer education group. There was a lot of peer Mm. support. And then here I come as a psychologist, like, Hey, you know, we're going to do work on ourselves. We're doing somatic work. Let's do some um, psychodrama. Let's work on this. And then twice a year we would do retreats by the water um, where they're like, I mean, it would get visceral. It's really intense, you know, where, you know, sometimes they're wearing diapers over their clothes <laughs> with bibs on, literally. Yeah. Wait, literally. this part of the psychodrama? Um, yeah, and, and part of, like, releasing. It would sort of be, like, the second night. And these are people that I've worked with, right? Yeah, like, right, we were in yeah. groups together, so there was a lot of trust. It wasn't, like, the first time they're meeting each other. I just want to say that. Um and yeah, we knew the individuals that would like consent to do some of the rage work, um, mm. depending on what our theme was or depending on how young their inner rage child was. Uh, Sometimes I'd have rattles. So you would bring those rattles. out and help them get in touch with that part of themselves. Oh my God, Dr. Yeah. Jen, that's amazing. I, Cause the I first, love right, because the first step is, oh no, I'm not going back to this. <gasps> you don't have to, but I'm going to leave it right here for you. What, what do you mean I don't have to? You know, so right away, and they would have a, a spotter or a person to be with yeah. them, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Some of them ripping up bad contracts, promises, divorces, agreements, you know, metaphorical. Oh I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not taking care of everybody in my lineage. I'm not. Some people are just like sobbing in like the sand or the mud. We would have stations. Wow. Right? And, um, some people are just sobbing and then I would get them out of the grief, get them out of the grief, move them to the other place. And then some people are safely like punching the shit. Can I cuss? Right. Punching yeah, the yeah, shit of <laughs> <laughs> out of like pillows. And that's why yeah. they have spotters too, because yeah, of course. I'm walking around, I'm screaming, I'm bellowing, I'm calling in everybody and everything. So, oh you know, God. we have intense music playing. Um, so it's sort of a mix of like part of my education. With, like I went to a very transpersonal you know, PsyD program in California, California Institute of Integral Studies. Yeah. And so it's like, we learned like Stan Groff, breath work, right. silent primal screen therapy. So it's yeah. like a mix of that and a mix of one of my mentors work, Dr. I mean, Ruth King, she, not doctor, but I think she's doctor. Yeah, <laughs> when you it can comes give to her rage, the um, she, Yes, yes. She wrote the book Healing Rage and she was the one that did those stations. I did that back okay. in my 20s with her, wow. you know, and wow. um, I couldn't afford that as a doctor student, but my spirit needed it and she she let me in and supported me you know that was in the berkeley hills i was like 24 25 not fully understanding what i was doing uh, as a mix and other things as well psychodrama dot 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 so um i think these these retreats are a way a for us to see ourselves i think Mm -hmm. that the work is a way for people Mm -hmm. to realize that their big ass messy fucking emotions are a okay and that we don't attend to these very messy, big emotions, um, sort of the way we would attend to anything we care about, our teeth, our skincare regime, if you're into that, your hair, whatever. Totally. I always say the <laughs> same thing to people. House. Yes. I'm like, right? how often do you work out or, you know, do your hair? Like, right. you can't give just right. a little bit of that time to your emotional or spiritual health. Yeah. But it's a, that's the, that's part of the relearning. I mean, I'm just, I want to go to one of your treats. It sounds, it's revolutionary. And who I want to look up, um, Ruth King, you said her name was Ruth King. Yeah. Yes. Ruth King, healing rage, women making inner peace possible. And she talks about the rage disguises and has this awesome rage assessment in there. And I uplift her work and her book much as I can. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. that's my second, that's my second book. That'll be my second. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. You know, I come from a theater background and I do a lot of theatrical work at my retreats too. Um, I've never put people in diapers though. I'm like, wow, I'm bowing to you. <laughs> Whoever's <laughs> listening to this that goes on my retreats is probably like, Oh shit. <laughs> But um, we, yeah, we do, you know, we, we, we call it sacred theater. Um, 
we do a lot of like embodying shadow patterns and mm-hmm. you know i was on a retreat once i had to like em- had to take on the character of my mother at the worst time in her life and do that in front of a room and it was harrowing harrowing um so i love the I say that it was harrowing and I love doing that deep kind of work on my own and with groups. I think that working those things through the body, it is, it's almost like if we went back to the rituals, like way, 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 way back, I'm sure that some of that was being done. Um, And I'm curious with that piece of the question around moving away from the Eurocentric methods of wellness or, you know, psychological understanding. Yeah. Can you provide us with like a little bit of the contrast? I mean, you you shared some of the contrast already Mm -hmm. in your answer, but I just want to spell it out for people so they know the difference (laughs) between, you know, the spaces that feel very Eurocentric and the ones that I don't know what the um, the opposing word is. Is it maybe you can tell us too? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. I, I find that language often, I don't know if you find this as well, especially as like theater people, like I love improv acting. Yeah. yeah. And I find that sometimes sounds, right? <laughs> shapes yeah. and colors have more um, breath and width and clarity than some of the language that I feel like a lot of us are co-creating for the work we do. Like, I don't even yeah. know how to describe in one sentence and I've tried and copywriters help me and I'm just still like, one I sentence. Know. Okay, what do I do in one sentence? <laughs> like, 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 I don't know. It, it's so complex. Terrifying for me, too. <laughs> right? It's terrifying, too. And I mean, that's the other thing is like putting something in a box, right? Then just like sort of like dilutes it. But but with that, um, some of the Which things feels that, like it's part of the whole Eurocentric yeah, value system. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, put it in a box. Put it in a box. I'm like, but I don't <laughs> want to. <laughs> I'm a circle. I'm an <laughs> upside down, you know. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, I like this hexagon right here. It fits perfectly. Yeah. But um, I would say that some of the things that more Eurocentric lens, right, like that that psychology, social work, counseling traditionally does is A, really specific, great specialized treatments are usually reserved for people that can pay for it. Let's put it that way, right? Same for myself. When I really started needing super specialized things or having that understanding that I needed specialized treatments, whether it's EMDR, whether we're talking about um, somebody that's like into brain spotting, whether it's like even someone that is extremely trauma informed and nuanced, uh, someone who wants like religious trauma therapy work or someone that has worked with someone in the hood, right, that has grown up in the hood and understands that concept, the framework, racial trauma. Um, it, It costs a lot of money. Number one, yeah. number two, yeah. people at and below poverty level or people that are having like Medicaid, Medicare, if you're in the States, right. Or, um, you know, you're on a sliding scale or you're in a community mental health center or a university, you may usually see somebody who's an intern or someone that is in a transient phase that is not their term, And they're usually someone who is earlier on in their career, no shade to anybody earlier on in their career, but that also means that that person also is still learning. They don't yet likely have their own style, their own art form to yeah. personify and to help a person move through what they're going through. Um, other things, diagnosis, now, let me just say, can be important, can be crucial. Some people have found that having a diagnosis and these set of symptoms has helped them say, oh shit, wow, I'm not alone. I've been there. Oops. I've been there as a neurodivergent person, right? Like, I, or as someone who has gone through trauma in their life, like, oh, wow, nightmares, flashbacks. Oh, okay, this is really helpful. But what happens is that there's not a lot of reframing that occurs, right? Where it's sort of like, I'm trauma. I'm pretty much, I'm this big traumatic being or as a person with ADHD, and that becomes a large component of our personality. Right. And meanwhile then everything we sort of do is from that frame of reference, right? So um, it's sort of like medicalizing every symptom. Mm-hmm. I like to call it an expression rather than a symptom because yeah. I do think it's an expression of a deeper form of trauma, right? Yeah. Another thing mm-hmm. is that a lot of therapists often will say, well, a lot of our main core issues with attachment, right? A lot of us talk about avoidant attachment or this, mm-hmm. or that, really disorganized attachment has to do with childhood, and I would lovingly disagree. I would say that, yes, that's part of it. 
But what's happened mm-hmm. even prior is also mm-hmm. attachment issues related to homeland, related mm-hmm. to safety, related to mm-hmm. whether or not we get to rise and sleep with the way that our people or our ancestors did. Right. right. How does that affect our circadian rhythm? Right. How does that affect yeah. what we eat, how we eat, mm-hmm. what people consider nutritious, body types? Right. So there's all these generalizations right. that still have that bell curve, still have that main chunk mm-hmm. function of what health and norm is as whatever mainstream, quote unquote, America is doing, right? And that's mm-hmm. usually centered around whiteness in some way, shape, or form. Even for white mm-hmm. folks that are like, hey, I don't fit that either, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So that's the yeah. conundrum. It's just sort of like yeah. it's a mind fuck. Um, yeah. And I would say on an even, to me, even more important level is also the ways in which modern day therapy can, right? Because it can be helpful up to a point. Right, but how it can also focus on intellectualization and the mind right. and like look at yeah. your thoughts. And not that that can't be helpful. Again, I'm not everything I'm saying is not all right. or nothing. I think it's like of course. both and. Um, yeah. But there's this like focus on your thoughts. Think about this differently. Um, are you minimizing something? Are you magnifying something? It's very CBT, very cognitive behavioral oriented, yeah. generally. Yeah. Or that's what's yeah. paid for also by insurances. That's what's like empirically mm-hmm. validated. Mm-hmm empirically validated by who on whose people on what lands what was your end sample don't let me get dorky (laughs) yeah 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 totally so i I, in in closing i guess what i'm saying is not i guess what i am saying is that oftentimes anyone that is relegated to the margins based on society not because they are margin or they're on margin because they're marginalized or historically forgotten on purpose, yeah. usually start to feel like, okay, it's not, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience is, and a lot of us have to do that, um, people that are survivors of intimate partner violence, individuals living with disabilities of various sorts, um, anybody of us that identify on the queer kaleidoscope, right, folks of color, mm-hmm. like dot, 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 and also all people that have been colonized over the globe there is this sense of, no, you're doing it wrong, get back onto the right, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. And you can have a great therapist, and, and I've had colleagues that have said, I'm letting this person go, because now they're ready to work on some issues related and with someone that can understand whatever their spirituality is, with someone mm-hmm. that is mirroring them, that they don't have to explain their experience as a queer Black person who is living with this disability, right? So there's that. Mm-hmm. And then there's also these mm-hmm. silos that therapists and social workers go into, right? Where we're so focused on our crisis or what we're good at that we forget mm-hmm. to say like, hey, why is there so much pain, suffering, and crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we're so burnt out. The caseloads are so high. Even if you're in whatever private practice is or what it's called, you know, you're trying to make a certain amount of money for your mortgage, for your kids, for your, yeah, right? So you have these massive mm-hmm. caseloads, right? And yet that's not how it also historically has been, right? If a curandero mm-hmm. or a shaman or someone from a, from a village, from a center, right? From a, from a particular land or community was taking care of one or two or three or four families, food was brought to them. Maybe their clothes were washed, right? There was this like reciprocal exchange in almost every culture, right? That we can Mm. understandably understand (laughs) prior to colonization, right? And many currently still, but are trying to be kind of pulled apart. Um, So all of this to say, I believe that colonization um, is this sort of like original attachment wound for many of us in human bodies. Um, and I also believe that deep, deep grief and deep sacred rage, because I call it sacred because it's like ancestral and old, like anger is, yeah. oh shit, you pissed me off. You cut me off. Right. Like or, yeah. I'm pissing my boss. Right. Yeah. But that sacred rage is, um, it reminds me of like a bellow. Right? Yeah. Even if it's an internalized one, even if someone is like holding it inside And the resentment is building. The reality is Mm -hmm. that rage and grief, I think, are very healthy responses to an extremely unhealthy, 
unnatural environment. Yeah. yeah. You know, and history. Yeah. 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 I love that. And, um, it's interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot lately about, um, you know, where psychology and spirituality meet and where they're very different. And I think because of the internet, I feel like people have sort of lopped like psychology and spirituality and wellness and healing into like one basket. And I've, I've been really kind of picking them apart and going, actually, like my spiritual practice and my spiritual beliefs are so far from any of those um, sort of patriarchal. I mean, I worked hard to get them out of some of those uh, Eurocentric or colonies or patriarchal mindsets. And so I can't, I can't always have that my spirituality be psychology adjacent. Like it just, it has to be, it has to be its own entity. Um, and I, I, I appreciate the work you're doing within that world because <laughs> it's a big world, you know, the psychology kind of industry and complex, like you said, it's like, it's, it's big and it's growing and, feels like even more nowadays people are like really into this elf diagnosis and pathologizing on TikTok and this kind of thing. And I'm sure there's, there's partial benefits to that much information and knowledge being spread into all different communities. And of course, with that, there's also the shadows and the limits and the misunderstanding that happens in that as well. And I love what you're saying is just like with the curanderas or the village healer or um, the wise woman or whatever you would call it, that there was this beautiful exchange. And it wasn't about like, oh, how many clients can I fit in so I can hit my mortgage, right? It's like, and I feel like I, I, I can, I'm very honest, like with myself, I'm like, I can only work with a few people at a time because I really like going deep and I've. I've myself, like I applied to grad school several times for psychology. And then I'm like, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready. When I think about sitting and, and sitting with like 20 people a week or something like that, it feels very overwhelming. Just on the spiritual side of that much energy, that much lineage, that much ancestors in the room, you know, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's, I admire the people that can do that so much. Um, and I know that the way people can do it is because they operate within certain parameters or they get super burnt out, um, but they can't necessarily open the door for all the things to come in with that many people, you know, because that wouldn't be sustainable. Um, so it's just so yeah, so much food for thought there and so much I'm I'm just really glad that you're in the space doing this work. You know, to save us from falling into an not I mean not that you're going to save all of us. I don't want to put that on you, but to save us from falling into another kind of collective shadow. It's just like, okay, we're all unconscious. Now we're all like the psychology complex is so big and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like everybody, let's ask a question around that and not just you know, go into that, like another kind of large bandaid. <laughs> yeah. 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 And if I may, like, absolutely. Yes. Yes. As you're, as you're talking, I'm just thinking, yes, yes, yes. I'm, you know, I, oh my gosh, I was so struck, especially in the midst of me, let's say I've seen 10, 15 people a day. If you think like, how is that possible? Well, there's a crisis that comes in during your lunchtime and this meeting gets cut short and then staying till seven because this shooting happened down the block or, right? So it, there wow. were days where I was a shell of myself consistently. And that's another part of this work is that I'm doing this um, very clearly and almost selfishly as well because it, it just feels, it is like this Stockholm syndrome energy, right? That I sometimes see with therapists. I write about this a little bit in the book where it's sort of like, no, 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 therapy, therapy. How dare you say anything negative about therapy at all, right? Like, how dare you say anything negative about my country? Or like, you know, like I built my whole, and that's because therapists, particularly psychologists, like built our whole lives around this, like, I'm a psychologist, right? <laughs> this sort of like, <laughs> I be knowing things. I know shit, right? Like, and yes, yeah, and yes. it's fancy, it's fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and, and, I, and I had to really start thinking about, like, honestly, psychologists, shout out, love so many of you. But when I talk about like audiences or people to work with, they're often like my toughest audience. Like I get nothing or there's some people or especially like individuals that tend to be a little bit younger generations or like, yes fuck yes and then like 
I'm in my 40s, I'm in my mid 40s. So I find that my peers and above are a little bit more like sitting back resistant, asking, and you can ask as many questions as you want, but oftentimes what I find is that, is this like, well, we went through it. You all need to go through it too. This like hazing energy, mm. right? And it's like mm. this protectiveness around some very violent interactions with how interns are treated like the amount of schooling and education we need, then the money, the licensure. I have hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars of student loan debt. Hundreds, uh, hundreds. Oh, we gotta, that's gonna change. Yeah, that's yeah, changing. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna sell that book. <laughs> yes, yes. But, but it's like, that's violent, right? That's gross and violent. And then the way that we're like not supposed to talk about certain things or even give certain terms out. And it's like holding and withholding knowledge when you know that for the greater good, individuals will evolve and be better for having some of this sacred knowledge that is sacred in the first place, right? And that in sacred work that, yeah, there are rituals and initiation, even if we don't call it that in psychology, but there are certain levels of understanding. And so I guess what I wanted to say was when you were talking, it also reminded me of that so much of my decolonizing therapy work is also for younger versions of me, right? Like other avatars of me that, you know, the adrenal fatigue, the burnout, the drinking like gallons of water a day and still be, you know, going to the hospital for dehydration. Like, right? Like the energetic sucking out of my body from individuals that they're not trying to be vampiric. They're just like needing to cling on to a source that can provide. And as we know, I think many of us I don't know about you, but I, I know for me, I need various people to be my source, right? I'm working with my womb shaman. I have my therapist just, you know, in and out 10 plus years. I'm working with this person with that. You know, there's so many individuals and spaces that hold me. Yeah. And when individuals do not have that and when therapists don't know to access that in the community around them, for the people that are coming in, I think that's when it gets really dangerous. When it's like, I should know, I'm here to help them. And it's like, wait, they just told you they're of this religion. Who's in your community that you need to connect with mm-hmm. that can help resource them the other seven, six days of the week, right? When you're not working with them right. because they're in high risk. And mm-hmm. so I, I often would find that as well, that as people were coming in, they wanted their whole selves to be recognized you know, including mm-hmm. not always, sometimes that yeah. spiritual part or sometimes that this part, or that part, you know, yeah. like, I just want you to recognize it. But if somebody can't sit with it or it's being demonized, mm-hmm. right. Or it's like, right. Oh wait, you do what? Is that ritual? Is that animal sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What, what, right. If someone doesn't understand mm-hmm. African spirituality, mm-hmm. right. Or, or shamanism mm-hmm. or, right. Yeah. If there's not some understanding to a larger worldview that can be, as we know, globally (laughs) that's super dangerous and it also projects back onto the client and it impacts them on a very core cellular level so yeah 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 it's huge it's such a big topic and it's just like obviously like every area of this modern world there is an unlearning and there is a rewriting of some of these deep systems and um that have served in moments and <laughs> been harmful in others. You know, yeah. they're not all, not everything. Obviously, some of the the knowledge that we've acquired and the science and everything is really awesome. Um, but the unlearning and the rewriting and the the sort of restructuring is like we're still. I feel like modern society, we're still babies in that. Like people like you, me, whoever else, we're all just trying to to clean up a corner or like rearrange the furniture in one one little corner. <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to ask, was there a point on your journey of unpacking and unraveling with your own ancestral um, lineage of trauma and, and just material that you felt like you unpacked more than you could manage at one time? And then how did you work through it? Because I think people get overwhelmed, especially some of some of the families and the lineages that have a lot. I mean, I don't know who doesn't, what culture doesn't, to be honest. Um, but um, I think that it can feel overwhelming. So I'm just curious about your own yeah, journey. Thank you. I love that question. It's such a good question. Oh, I would say that there were many, but to focus on one. 
Um, I would say uh, this is going to, I just want to give a little bit of, I'm not going to go too deep into my personal stuff or what have you, right, but of course. a little bit. I mean, unless we want to do a day long <laughs> workshop with you, we'll do the, we'll do the five day. I got my diapers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to be real, um, I was living in California, right? I'm so I'm an East coast gal, gal person. Um, and I was living in California and, um, First of all, California, the Bay Area, maybe clear, was really super new for me. Um, and that to say, here I am with, with like my very like intense, real, probably unconsciously competitive, especially in my mid late twenties at the time, very like psychoanalytic is the way to go and da 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 da. And somehow, of course, you know, out of all these options, I land at California Institute of Integral Studies. And I'm just like, this is too heavy for me. Uh, right right like totally judging it right well, now i can see the beauty of the juxtapositions of it all but at the time um and to me really connecting with like the more east coast or big city people right that we like transplanted there what where are you from in the east coast yeah um jersey Pittsburgh city or? like so we're like right here jersey city new york okay. yeah yeah and then my grandparents okay, when cool. my mom migrated over brooklyn so like brooklyn jersey city that's okay. yeah so Awesome. Um, so I'm so Jersey City shows up in Berkeley. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Jersey City shows up in Berkeley. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm trying not to get into other stories, but it's so funny. Like my very first class was transpersonal psychology. Now, mind you, I was already my spirituality it was like already coming back online because as a child, it was super like psychic clairvoyant, and then wished it away. But like I was, I was like coming back online, so to speak. And my art by professor, Dr. Phelps, I really liked her. She's like, um, Jennifer, you have so much gravitas. And I was like, ah. And then I had to like look it up online. I was like, gravitas? What is gravitas? I was like, ah. And I was like, oh, that's a really nice word for saying, like, you have a lot of gall, don't you? No, in some way, she performed. And I was constantly just saying shit, like, just, like, just come it's out of my power. mouth. Come out of my mouth. So, um, at that time, I was still working through so much. Not that I'm not now, but in a way where it was like really unconscious and really like, I'm going to put myself through any possible hardest internship, practicum, you name it. And it wasn't to prove it to anyone else. It was like a me thing. Yeah. And of course, I found myself working with adult sex offenders, right? And oh yeah, God. and I, I was working in prisons and I was working outpatient and I was in a group with DRD. With men or both, women or both? both. Yeah, wow, uh, yeah, wow. all different. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you would, yes, yes. And mm. predominantly male, right? Predominantly male identified. Mm -hmm. um, but there were definitely like moms, babysitters, coaches. There were definitely women. Um, and Ooh. I remember like the level of numbness that needs to occur to like have people recount. And so many people were on probation, right? And I'm like, what's between them and what, of course, freedom or their perception of freedom is. And there's a lot of manipulation. Um, I, yeah. Can yeah, I ask yeah. you a quick question yeah. and interrupt you before you keep, so did you choose to work with that particular population because of your own family and history and lineage or yeah. what brought you to that and then I want you to come yeah, come back yeah. exactly so to where you were but time, so we I know didn't realize yeah. how pervasive sexual abuse and the violence towards the divine feminine or women was but but yeah. toward the end and now I'm like so obvious my own abuse history yeah. witnessing how it played out with my yeah. aunts my grandmother you name it right right, right. um why i chose right. to leave my own marriage like all these different types of abuse and right. but at the time yeah. i just thought that's really tough i can do this you know wow. and they were like oh well here are some more advanced practicums if you want to try them and i was like i want to try them and i right. think part of it was thinking like i needed to be the best of the best and that's something that's sort of drilled into you in the field in some weird way shape or form too right um yeah and so yeah, yeah. i was working sometimes um late at night predominantly all men who had just come out of like incarceration. Me and the ex-police chief of Oakland who was like a white man who was visibly disabled and myself. 
running a group of like 10 men, DRD group, which was like difficult, resistant, deniers. Oh my goodness. <gasps> and um, it all came to a head. Again, I'm not gonna, I don't want to like overly like trigger anybody who's listening or things of that nature, but yeah. It, yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah. Trigger it all came to a head <laughs> okay. when um, they, I met with someone, they let me meet with them, mind you, I'm an intern right? Like a practicum student intern. Like this isn't mm. even like my bigger internship where I've been doing this for thousands of hours. Like, right. Yeah. Where they let yeah. me have like a seven, 8 PM session with no one else in this big old building in Oakland um, with a person that was like inappropriate from beginning to end. But the level of inappropriateness was really quite, um, you can cut it with a fork and yet you couldn't define it because there was nothing that he was saying directly. Mm. Right. That, that, that was like oh problematic, but everything he was doing and the, the mannerisms and the energy, it was like completely violating and gross and just like scary. And um, I'm a person that I think is used to not being scared because maybe the way I grew up, my scary mm. father, you know, I'm just like, nothing scares me. And I, right everything in me knew to be terrified, right? Of what I felt. And, and this was a, a previous offender who was out yeah. of jail now, and you were doing a, a session, yeah. a one-on-one yep. and yep. the, 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 the yeah. no and supervision. My supervisor said to okay. me when I said something about it, they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's this file. And he had like done all these horrific things to like people, bit off somebody's <gasps> cheek, done this, done that. I was going to say, I totally got a silence of the lambs kind of feeling, imagining, you know, that kind of energy that is, it doesn't have to say anything, but it's like the EBGBs. Yeah. A kind of youngish person, like, like not someone significantly older. It was just very, they were like, oh, give them this pamphlet that like therapy and sex don't mix. And I'm like, give them a pamphlet. What? That they're. Right. And so I told my supervisor who was like badass, um, feminist, just like badass. She was just badass. She still is. Um, Dr. Tanya Wilkinson. And she's like, we're going to handle this. I was like, yeah. Why did the A not brief me on this person? Like I'm reading the chart. And again, part of my work now is not to like just base someone on a chart, but if we're dealing with individuals that have histories of intense violence. So I started realizing that he was following me, you know? And so that started happening. And I was like, no, 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 I'm going to still come to work. I'm still going to do the practicum. I'm still going to, right? And that's, that's, that's what's coming up for me. It's not that I'm blaming myself or that, but I, for a while I did, for a couple of years, until I understood wow. that, A, um, that the women in my lineage always felt that, and many still do, mm-hmm. that we should and we have the responsibility to, like, take care of men, Right? That we're responsible and that if harm, even if I did not believe this consciously, right? In any fiber of my being did I think I believed it. Another deeper, 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 deeper level is that if any harm came to us on some little baby low-key level, and again, I'm not saying I believe this now, but but somewhere ingrained in me was that if harm came to us, that we in some way were to blame for it, right? Right. I think a lot of women have internalized Mm -hmm. that and it was passed down. And on another level, um, Mm. there was a part of my shadow that could deeply, again, not in a sexual offense manner, but there's some part of me Mm. that was drawn to the underbelly of what society, right? Like the underbelly of this, right? Mm. Of like why and how and where does psychopathy yeah. meet this meet desire? Mm. And, you know, again, I think there was some part of me trying to understand mm. why things had happened to me. Right. And trying to normalize totally. who it was or what the reason was, or, you know, trying to understand, trying to understand yeah. better. Uh, yeah. And there's so many layers. And then on top of that, there were predominantly, not all predominantly a lot of, um, indigenous black brown latino men right and so yeah. again also wanting like i don't want this for you like there on some level here i am writing a dissertation right. on the soul wound and intergenerational trauma and like and i'm just feeling like 
I have to have the key. I have to figure out how to change this. And right. although I wasn't saying this out loud to anyone, you know, I think there's right. something in my mind right. that felt I had to do it. And then I felt like um, I was becoming more and more unwell, more removed, more paranoid. Mm. My friends mm. had to, on a very physical level, pick me up because I didn't have a car at the time, you know, in California. And so like my, my friends had to like pick me up and drop yeah. me off. And because I was literally being like low key followed yeah. on the trains by this person. And um, I'd have to like go around the block 18 times. So like I did, he didn't follow me to my house or figure out where I oh. lived or yeah. I would go in the wrong places if I saw him, um, yeah. you know, and I, and I sort of like let it, not let it happen, but see, watch my, see my language. I sort of um, right. felt like this is my role. This is what I'm here to do. Should something happen, so be it. Right, it's for the greater good right. or something. Like, right. I'm like Martin. And that's so that's the right. other piece is like right. when I look at my lineages, that martyr energy is huge. Martyr victim, totally. right? Yeah. Um, right. As well as right. um, the dealing constantly wow. the discomfort of like having someone sexualize you and desire you like here I am a 20 something year old that I guess some people would see as rather cute at the time <laughs> and, and you're, right, you're so super and cute. here I am like you know like you could just feel yeah. the energy or the comments or yeah. the like they're leaving and they say something to me and then my 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 supervisor at the time it felt like they were cowboys it's just how I would identify them they were like oh Jen well at least you know you still got it and I was like what? Oh, like, wow. you know, so I wasn't also yeah. held and that was also wow. intergenerational. Right. right. Like, um, I saw it even wow. in my divorce and, you know, with men close to me, like, Oh, well that happens in relationships. We do that. You know, men cheat, men this and kind of like, right. Wow. We're, we're, we're mm. this excuse making or this sort of like minimizing of right. sacredness or you know whatever contracts are yeah. and so anyway i say all yeah. that i hope that answered your question but yeah, yeah yeah i mean i think it's fascinating on so many different levels what and from a spiritual standpoint it's like what again you're drawn to whether you know it or not that there exists in your lineage or your own story and how, you know, it reminds me of some of like the um, Tibetan tantric practices or the the Hindu tantric practices where like people would go sit in the graveyard and, and you know, say practice with the dead bodies, sitting with the dead bodies to to get to know death. Right. Like to face their fear of death, their fear of dying um, and have these deeply embodied experiences of entering into the depths of the shadow. Right. Like shadow walkers. The, the different in different traditions it, there it always has existed those who are unafraid to go into the underworld i resonate with this as well as like i went undercover in new york city in in some like brothels essentially like to try to get to know the women there i was writing a story and all of this and put myself in extreme danger <laughs> it was very you know i feel like i put myself in danger many many times um because i wanted to understand these my own um well the collective wound but it was also living in me right uh and not everybody has that urge you know once i sat in a in a psychic session she said, you know, there's this this woman here and she's this older woman. She's very sort of regal and she's like a gray hair on top of her head. And I said, oh, I think it's my Brazilian grandma, you know, and she said, yes. Yeah. She said, wow, you really like to put your hand in the fire, girl. <laughs> I said, shit, grandma's been watching from the other side. <laughs> it's kind of your worst fear, right? Is that, you know, all of your things are being all the moments where you did the crazy stuff are being watched. But um but there's but hearing you talk, it's like I think that there is a path of being a healer that again, there is not one book that describes this. There's not one teacher that can tell you, but that 
sometimes you do have to walk into the shadows. I wouldn't recommend it. I think I've told this to many students and clients and I'm like, I don't recommend you just going and putting yourself like you were that girl walking around the block and being like, I have to do this. Um, instead of giving yourself the gift of safety and care and, you know, the parts, the thing that you probably needed the most and didn't get, et cetera. But, but I do think there are some, some choices that we make in our lifetime that initiate us into the work. Um, and thank, thank goodness, right. That we're okay. That like nothing else happened there, but that you got close enough to, and I don't want to put those men all in a box of being, you know, a, a metaphor for a collective shadow, but they take part in this collective shadow around sexuality. Right. And, um, I also like, I, I wanted to, I wanted to sniff close into that and I wanted to learn about it because I knew that it's such a big part of the curriculum for all women in my lineage, most women I knew, um, and also such a big collective still wound, still dysfunction, right? So thank you for sharing that. It gives us such an insight into your, into your spirit, your inner like devotion to healing and and the warrior, I also feel that kind of like warrior who the, sh who the shadow of that is, is that you, you know, march forward at the expense of yourself. But the beauty is that there's a courageous heart that's willing to do the hard work, right? Or sit in that cemetery with the, yeah. the rotting skeletons and, you know, face death. Yeah. You know, not everybody, not everybody wants to do that nope, this life, nope, Dr. Nope. Jen. You know what's so funny is like, um, uh, yeah, I feel like we go on for hours, but in the brevity and you know, in the, in the, in the love of time and, and I know. honoring that, um, I do want to say that I, I too have had like many readings and or individuals I work with, astrologers, you know, what have, have you traditions, yeah. and what frequently will come up is I have to watch who I work with because I will. Mm -hmm. Those qualities already in me will magnify, right? And so take that however you want to mm. take that, right? If you're listening, mm. right? <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. and again, not with sex. I wasn't offending anyone or, or harming anyone, but I found myself even in what I was attracted to at that time um, in an intimate way, right? In, in sexual, even if it's sexually safe spaces, I found myself moving in. Right. Um, more taboo places and spaces and interests, right? And, and not that that's right. bad. It wasn't bad or good or any of these things, but I found that fascinating. Mm. And then in a spiritual way, um, and and because I do find myself to be a healer, for lack of a better word, but there's also this like healer warrior, yeah. both both and that that comes with. And yeah. this one one of my teachers, one of my elders said it perfectly for me because I burst into tears. So clearly my body was like, yeah, I was sitting there like snotting like, yes, where she oh, said, God, yeah. yeah, like you have totally. to let people know if, if they're coming to work with you in whatever capacity, whether they're like going to be your admin or they're on a retreat with you, that there's going to be an initiation of sorts because you're an initiator, Jennifer. And, and those who shadow walk, Wow. our initiator so you don't bring in people to the front door nothing wrong with that like we all need front door healer workers right <laughs> she said but you bring people in up yeah. under the earth through the back door because you've yeah. walked it and been there and you yeah. can go back there and you kind of thrive there if you're really honest right like i kind of can very always go right. down under right um to Hades yeah. and that way <laughs> right and so hence, yeah 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 but I can't, yeah. I do work with the light, whatever that means, right? Like I do help people go back into the front door, but yeah. give them ownership of that revolving door that you can go from this side or that. And yeah. I don't know, however, which way she said it and probably way more eloquently than I just repeated um, made me deeply emotional because I realized in that moment that for some reason, um, maybe all the healing or all the pain or all the experiences my ancestors have given me, all my lineages experiences, we're somehow colluding to this moment, right? And here I was being able to hold this like mm. duality, this like liminal space between yeah. that which I probably was like hung, hurt, burned for, 
<laughs> right? And fought for at the same yeah. time. And it was like yeah. divine masculine and feminine moving at the same time. Um, and it also reminded me that, yeah. um, that I had to stop. It's another thing as a, as a psychologist or as a trained psychologist, hiding my knowing with a capital K as well, right? Yeah. That I couldn't keep being well and walking mm. in this world yeah. and acting like someone's yeah. grandmother's not talking to me while I'm sitting in session with them. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, would you please stop? And I don't know that language, but I know what you're saying. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I think that that's, I, I love what you said about just knowing that you're an initiator and kind of being honest about the people around you and what your field of energy brings forward in people. And there's been times where I felt really lonely because of that. I felt like, you know, I have, is something wrong with me that I cannot be in a lie with other people or that I cannot not see. Um, and with kindness and discernment, I'm not giving up free readings and I'm not, I'm not jumping out of my lane to tell people what I think of them, et cetera. But there's something to being in a field of depth and having like an honest, deep alchemical sense of your, of your own energetic existence, that if someone else comes in and they're just completely not there, it can really, um, disarm them or disorient them in a way and um the, the the woman who's been working with me for like the past five years like our first two years together like she was in retreats with me and she was in ceremonies and she was doing all this deep work and it was incredible and i'm i'm so grateful like we did that together even though it's so not a conventional work relationship you know and like i can't call her an assistant or admin or anything i'm just like she is you know she's so much more than that because we went through that but a such an unconventional way to essentially run a business or um or create that that close contact with people that yeah are like helping with the day-to-day um so i just love that you brought that in too it's like for all of the for all of the the people that are listening that also have like a deep alchemical energy or maybe you bring emotions or like my partner for instance like he when, when he leads tea ceremonies, like he's just completely quiet, but people are always sobbing, you know, just because his, he's so deep and present. Um, whereas I'm very different and you probably are too. It's like, but whatever our gifts are, when they move energy around us, it can be scary, you know, it can be intense, but it's also like, we can't, can't hide from that at the end of the day, you know, we can, we can learn how to modulate and not like... <laughs> You know, not disrupt everywhere we go. Acknowledge our impact, of course. Um, okay, so last quick question. I also <laughs> feel like we could talk for hours. I'm like, oh my god, there's so much. Um, it just you're 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 speaking my language. But um, so just to help people sum things up, um, how do how do people begin to dive into the ancestral trauma and to metabolize it? Just like what's the beginning dive in and also the decolonizing. We didn't go super deep into the decolonizing today, but um, I trust we went wherever we needed to go. But if people are wanting to begin that dive into even decolonizing their own um, practices and um, and in meeting their own ancestral trauma, yeah, I love um, the question. And the beauty of it is, I think that they can. Um, answer each other and feed each other. I think that they can be very similar. Um, and I think it, it may sound really basic and it's so not as, as many of us know, is to really start looking within, right? And asking not just the hard questions, yeah. but um, one of my favorite things to do is to also be conscious of like my energy, what I'm running. And if it's like a script, what is it something mm -hmm. I've learned? Um, and again, whether it's related to uh, colonial education, which most of us have had, I, I had, right? Whether it's like, oh, why am I setting this particular boundary with this person at this time? If you're more than 15 minutes late, that's it. I can't see you. Right. But they just took three buses together and like, right. Right. So just like, you know, getting curious, right? Like getting oh, curious right. and right. questioning, not questioning everything to a sense where it just becomes absolutely maniacal, pathological. And, but having this like 
quiet, compassionate curiosity <laughs> is what I try to sit with because I'm not very compassionate yeah. with myself normally. Like it's not a norm mm -hmm. for me. I have to like sit with mother energy yeah. and be like, okay. Um, so I invite people A, to get curious about what they know and how they've learned it and whether it really resonates with them, particularly if it's practices that impact others, right? Or whether you're parenting, um, whether you're teaching, yeah. whether you're healing, what have you. But also mm -hmm. getting curious yeah. about the stories in our lineage, right? I'm a really big person on storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we hear about superstitions mm -hmm. or we hear about, oh yeah, your great grandfather used mm -hmm. to whistle all the time. You whistle just like him. Ah interesting where you know and just like asking questions mm. if possible that's not always possible for everybody right um and sometimes yeah. for some people that might right. start um especially if they've been in foster care or adopted because i want to honor that right maybe for some people it is doing a dna ancestry thing right just to get curious about like oh my people were around these regions i can read stories about that right um right but also looking at yeah how yeah. again here's where like the shadow where's the shadow right not just like the beauty and the celebrations and the ritual yeah. but also some of the rituals that we might have taken for granted or that history mm -hmm. has painted as beautiful or historic mm -hmm. right and, and i invite mm -hmm. us to look at mm -hmm. the celebrations as well as the mm -hmm. And the genocide is a very heavy word but the small the small deaths the little deaths that our ancestry took on in order usually nine times out of 10 to survive, right? And you know, maybe, okay, maybe five times out of 10. And then the right, other five times right, out right. of 10, it is about like money and power and access, right? And so I invite people to get curious right. and to look at where that harm has been mm -hmm. done in a, in a storytelling narrative way, you know, is like really reading about it and looking yeah. about it with curiosity and then I, my favorite thing is to like juxtapose mm -hmm. it to my own life. And I've done this in workshops, right? And just like, yeah. are there any overlaps, right? Are there any overlaps in, in oh, my love relationships? Wow. Are there overlaps in my love of animals? Are there overlaps in seeing through looking at cups of tea? <laughs> Can you give us one example from your life of an overlap, just a quickie? Yeah, yeah, just... Um, and again, sorry, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for being deep, but you know, like enslavement, right? Like enslavement, like when I really looked at the ways where I felt like I had no way of getting out of things, right? And not in any way trying to put my pain above my, my ancestors or things of that nature. But when people were literally like ripped without choice from people they loved, from lovers, from homes, from, you know, when you really humanize it, not just like, oh lots of people, but just like, if I give them a name and a space and a place, and maybe they had children and they had whittling work they love to do and like being ripped from something saying you have no choice, but to do this. Right. And like that, and I witness myself frequently, like, well, I have to do this. I have no choice. And this sort of taking on that level of suffering uh-huh wow 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 when wow. i do probably sometimes have choice right um and the times when i don't have choice um what can i do who can i bring in to support can i ask for help can i like what is what else is possible but that's how it shows up and that's an obvious way but for also i could see it in money trauma and scarcity mindset right i could see it in oh you got a you know relationship staying because that person's a good person or no one else is going to love you or, you know, these, these, and I could see, I could see it going down the lineage chain, but from big historical events to like familial events down to things in my own life, or as well as things that activate me, because I believe that's the doorway of some of the shadow. And I think, a lot, right. And I think a lot of us have like overlapping shadows. It's almost like this sort of like diagram, this sort of like nautilus shell. And I think that's what creates the collective shadow. Oh my God. Yes. You're so smart. I can't wait to read your book. <laughs> I'm like, 
I love these ideas and I love new ideas and I love kind of thinking in this way. And I hope people can sit and think also get Dr. Jen's book and, but just thinking about, yeah, what, what, what beliefs, what like really subtle kind of echoes are playing out inside of you and, and not, and not so subtle ones. And, and if you have trouble identifying them, look first to where it hurts, where you get stuck, where you get tripped up, where the shadows are. Um, one funny one I just thought of is just like hearing people say, oh, I'm starving. I always think of like the the deep root of that, you know, that we're not starving, most of us, unless we starve ourselves is a whole other thing. But um, but but that maybe what somewhere back, like if we're part of the Irish potato famine or something, maybe we were starving, you know, and I've watched movies where it's like everyone in the Ireland is dying. And, you know, like those are some of my ancestors. Um but I think these are really interesting, deep questions for people. And they take us out of, and this is what I think is the most important, they take us out of it being all about us in this here and now moment, which is one of the shadows of the psych, pop psychology online. It's just like me, 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 me. Um, and I love that it connects us to each other, to our family, to our culture. And uh and it just, yeah, there's so, so much there. And so thank you so much for, for taking the time today. And I, I like, I want to hang out and I want to talk thank more. You. Thank you. Thank you. for that. <laughs> um, do you have any other things you want to share about coming up? I know the book is huge. Everybody go buy the book. Anything else you've got that you want to share about? Thank you. Um, there actually will be um, a rage retreat coming in early 2024. Um, I am a creature of winter. Don't ask me why, especially if you're on the East coast. Um, and I think that retreats are really great times to like that, that crone dark, Energy. So probably as this launches, um, there will be something up for people to sign up or, you know, some deeper application forms to make sure it's in alignment. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Well, people, if you're not following Dr. Jen Decolonizing Therapy on Instagram, there's so much good content there. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy you were here today. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I want to offer you some questions for contemplation, integration, and writing if you wish. The first one is to consider, was there something in today's episode that touched you or moved you or triggered you? An image, an idea, a story? Take a moment and just think about it. Is there anything that provoked you, that reached inside of you? that perhaps brought up a memory or an idea from your life. What in this episode inspired you? Was there something that surprised you, that stood out for you? Could you jot it down just to remember? Maybe it was a concept or something that the guest said that, that brought you to some new awareness. Was there something about this episode that upset you, that provoked you, that pissed you off? giving yourself full permission to dive into that. Was there anything about this episode that soothed your soul, that helped you feel a little bit more belonging, a little bit more at home, a little bit less like you're the only one? Taking those questions into your heart or into your journal or into your day. If anything stood out that you wanna share with me, please do so on social media direct into my DMs. I would love to hear what touched you, what moved you, and what you're taking from this time together. And if this episode truly inspired you in some kind of way, share it with a friend, like, subscribe, and write a review. It means a lot to me. Thank you. So happy you're here with me, daring to feel.